When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Hamish from the Young Investors Podcast. Myself and Brandon are excited to bring you your weekly rundown of the latest business and investing news from around the world. Now, a quick reminder before we get into the podcast is that nothing in this podcast should be taken on as personal financial advice. If you're ever unsure about your finances or investing, make sure you reach out to a qualified financial advisor. But with that said, let's get into another episode of the Young Investors Podcast. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to another episode. We're at episode 243. Hope you're having a good uh, Saturday morning or whenever or wherever you're listening to this episode. How are you doing, Brandon, today? Yeah, going well. I I got... I I have to apologize if I've got like a very minor lisp in this video because I've just gotten (laughs) my my Invisalign put on. So it feels so weird, man. So weird. Yeah, it feels bizarre. Mm, Just having these plastic brace things in your mouth the whole time. It's just a very, I just need to get used to it. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, I never had them. I had uh, I had braces in high school. I'm sure there are probably some similarities, maybe a little bit different. But yeah, they were. Uh, it's not comfortable getting your teeth kind of uh, in shape. <laughs> so uh, yeah. yeah, the weird thing is, is that uh, I think the way it works, they've put these, they've glued on these little bumps onto my teeth, ah. and then um, and then I think the the plastic insert thing kind mm. of tugs on those bumps to kind yeah. of get my teeth back in place. But man, the the bumps, my teeth just feel so abrasive. Mm. <laughs> it's crazy. But I guess the idea is that you have these. I have to wear these like uh, twenty two hours a day. So, right. Okay. Uh, wait. Only twenty. So wait. When do you? When do you? Wait. Just that's, to eat. That seems odd. Oh, just to eat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I you mean, take them out to eat. Yeah. Right, brush okay. your teeth. That yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you wear them yeah, all the time. Like, yeah, all the time. Yeah. But when you have them in, it's like it's plastic, so it's like perfectly smooth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just odd. get the edge like ripping into your tongue a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, it's a very odd sensation. But mm. anyway. How long do you wear those for? <laughs> Is that like a multi-year uh, I think thing, it's right? Like, so I've got, you, you change to the next set every two weeks. Right. Um, and then I've, I think it goes for like a year and a half-ish. <clears throat> okay. I think I've got like 20 sets to get through. I think overall, right. but yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Hey, you want to hear something funny in yeah. other news? <laughs> I was talking to um, I was talking to Claude the other day, and uh, we can we can see who has subscribed to our channel, and we can list them by number of subscribers that they have. So we can see the most subscribed, the people that have the most subscribers who subscribe to us. Mm. And we found out, get this, that the 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 one, the only MC Hammer. Is subscribed to New Money. How good is that? MC Hammer. That is that's really can't random. Touch this. <laughs> there you Maybe go. We reach how, how reach out to channel? a collab. How, do, you, do you remember how big their, their channel is? Ooh, are, not not as big as what I was expecting. Um, right. MC Hammer official. It was like a couple of hundred. That, yeah, MC Hammer. Six hundred and sixty thousand. Wow, I've got more subscribers than MC Hammer. But you know what? That's yeah, that's so odd though. Like you would think it would just be like a promotional page kind of thing, like a corporate kind of page. 
Mm. Uh, so it's kind of funny that they actually subscribe to people through that. That's actually funny. Yes. That's, um, that is bizarre. It is bizarre. I'm an ordinary I, man who has lived an extraordinary <laughs> life. That's his description. He does beat me. He does beat me on most viewed video, though. I mean, guess yeah. how many views you can't touch this has? Oh, I don't know. Probably over a hundred million. I don't know. Something yeah. crazy. Eight eight hundred and two million. Yeah. Fourteen <laughs> years ago. Yeah. That's crazy. There you go. Ding 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 ding. Yeah, I remember checking yeah, that they, a little while ago. It is kind of funny how you can see that because I guess like most people probably don't have because you can obviously turn off if people to for other people to see who you're subscribed to so you can't really see Mm. everybody but yeah it is funny i looked at that the other day i was like oh wow okay that guy yeah i watched that it was a i don't know i can't remember his name that he's gonna kill me but uh guy from new zealand who does like cooking videos he has like a million subscribers or something he's like my biggest i was like oh wow yeah i like your videos (laughs) yeah one of the guys that subscribed to me has a channel Mm. called paint Paint. And he has 4.61 million subscribers. Wow. There you go. So paint. there you go. Yeah. What, what, yeah. What I, I, don't think, I don't think his channel is about painting, though. Oh. Uh, oh. Anyway. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah I, just, I guess I just assumed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, do you remember a company called AMT Digital? AMTD Digital? Does that, does that name? Oh, yes. Yes, <laughs> it does. It, it, it does ring a bell. That was like a... <clears throat> Oh, can you remind me what the story was? It was like a meme stock, wasn't it? Yeah. So we spoke about this uh, uh, this this kind of story. Um, a friend of ours from uh, James, who we met in uh, at the at Omaha in the, at the Berkshire meeting, kind of uh, yep. messaged me and pointed this out to me. Um, but we spoke about this in August of last year. It was kind of a, a yeah, it was a meme stock. It was a, it's a kind of a Hong Kong listed financial tech company. We we're making fun of their description of the company. It was kind of just a bunch of that's right know, crazy words. But the the story was the stock was up 32,000% in two weeks, um, which yes. I think might be a re- like it's If it's not a record, it's it's up there on the Hall it's of Fame close. of the highest, <laughs> the fastest and most rapid increase in stock price. Um, and yeah, James um, pointed out to me today that uh, the stock is not still up 32,000%. Um, it is down 99.2% uh, since then, so... Mm. Mm. Yeah, complete. It's a complete shock to all of us. Um, I think I told everyone to put all their money in that, so hopefully no one listens. Uh oh. So, yeah. Well, uh oh. It might be just me on the podcast next week, guys. <laughs> yeah. Hamish is yep. getting sued. So I'm filing for bankruptcy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Breaking news. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, can't say I'm surprised at that. I can't no. even remember why. Why it went up. There, there must have been some reason why it went up. Yeah, many, I, thousand percent, I but yeah. didn't look. I can't remember. There you go. Yeah. Thanks for letting us know, James. Hope you're yeah. doing well, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was good. Good hanging out in Omaha. We had a great time. Yeah. yeah. But it um, does not surprise me at all. that a, a, What is it? AMTD Digital? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Another meme stock bites the dust, eh? Yeah. All right. What are we talking? What are we talking about today, Hamish? Uh, yeah, we've uh, a bit of an interesting week. We've actually got a fair bit of media-related news. We've uh, got an update on uh, deals potentially being uh, uh, come to uh, deals being uh, struck between the the Writers Guild and uh, Hollywood Studios. Uh, mm. We'll uh, talk through some other movie news, grossing films, and. Uh, and, and some other stories related to that. We've also got earnings for NVIDIA and Qantas. Uh, so I thought we'd uh, chuck in an Australian company into the mix of uh, earnings that we look Ooh. at. And uh, and we'll also get to a bunch of q and I think, today, um, yeah. which is good. We haven't done an episode where we've done like a few back-to-back Q&A uh, or answering a bunch of questions. So yeah. um, I'm excited to kind of, yeah, 
break through a couple we'll work, of them. Work through a few of them today. Yeah. yeah. No, it should be good. <clears throat> All right, perfect. Yeah, so with that said, today's episode is brought to you by Seeking Alpha, your one-stop shop for stock analysis, market data, and news. Uh, access uh, expert analysis and news for thousands of stocks. View buy, hold, and sell ratings from members, Wall Street analysts, and Seeking Alpha's own algorithm. Uh, screen for stocks using a variety of fundamental and technical analysis metrics. Uh, access uh, 10 years of financial data and company filings. And manage your portfolio by tracking your investments with price alerts so you never miss a buying opportunity again. Click the link in the episode description or head directly to seekingalpha.me forward slash young investors uh, to try Seeking Alpha free for 14 days. That's seekingalpha.me forward slash young investors. Hamish, I, I've completely forgot about this, but I have to tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how the whole start of last week's episode, we went on a bit of a, <laughs> we went on a bit, a little bit of a tangent. Nah, we we're talking about um, yeah. your back pain and how it was yeah. coming on um, when you were sleeping, or mm. just at the first thing in the morning when you wake up, right? Yeah. But we we ended up talking about that for about I think eight minutes, which is. Not not the best. We're, we're sharp. We're sharpening up. We're not, not rambling <laughs> as much. But I just wanted to say, we did that eight minute intro, which just went off on attention, talking about your mattress and your sleep and how painful it was in the morning. Mm. And then you read the sponsor bit. And then I got then I um, got one of the inbuilt ads, and you'll never guess the oh, inbuilt no. ad. What? Not about the stock market. It was about a mattress company. Oh my god, that's actually crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that seems so scripted now. It seems like yeah. Hamish, didn't you have back pain? Yeah, I get back pain when I sleep. But there's so many because ex- I even said there's expensive products. <laughs> I yeah, said, I said yeah, it's expensive yeah. to look after your sleep, and then this thing gets served a random sleep ad. That's actually funny. Yes. Yeah. The random one, it must have picked up on some keywords because then it was like, yeah. do you struggle getting to sleep at night? <laughs> you need this mattress. <laughs> That's really funny. That's really so funny. good. Uh, anyway, so there you go. It's good to see that, uh, who, who does it? Spotify. Spotify's yeah. ad algorithms are, are detecting keywords. They're on point, on point. <laughs> so did yeah. you buy a mattress? Did it work? No, I didn't. No, okay. No, no. Yeah. So this time we need to be investing, investing, stock market, yeah. Uh, finance, yep. um, high-value clientele. Uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, let's get into it, Hamish. Um, where, oh, where shall we start? Um, let's start with this uh, this news around kind of the, the writer's strikes. I don't have kind of, uh, it, it's a... It's a not a huge story, so we'll start there, and then we can kind of get into some other news. But um, yeah, uh, there was a reasonably big uh, update that uh, that took place this week. Uh, so essentially, more than a hundred days have passed now, um, and the writers are still on strike uh, against Hollywood. So it's the Writers Guild uh, of America union members uh, who also are now joined by the Actors Guild, who joined in July. And there's a bunch of stuff that uh, they're kind of. Uh, demanding uh, uh, from the uh, uh, film studios. A couple of the main things are 
uh, increased pay, uh, better residual compensation for shows that are um, kind of getting reruns on, on cable, but also on streaming as that kind of landscape shifts. Uh, and then protections against the use of AI uh, and, and automation um, in, in the space. The news week this week uh, is that there's a new proposal uh, on the table, finally. Um, so, right. <laughs> you know, it's been, yeah, 100 days. I think the last time there was a strike for, from the writers for 100 days was 2011. So this doesn't happen very often. And it cost the movie industry over a billion dollars last time. So this is a big deal that it is kind of going yeah. on for a very long time. Um, and the other side of it is there hasn't been pay increases um, or movie studios coming to the table really at all for a very long time to... Um, to support the writers and actors that are the foundation of the industry, so um, it is kind of a pretty big deal that's that's kind of um, kind of going on in the, behind the scenes. Um, so there's a new proposal on the table, kind of. Uh, so the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, uh, which is kind of the group that represents all of the major Hollywood studios, Disney, Warner Brothers, uh, Universal, uh, and Netflix. Uh, they publicly released the proposal that was given to writers on the 11th of August. So um, I say it's kind right. of a new proposal because it's not really new. Um, it's, it, was pro- it was proposed two weeks ago, but it's now yep. actually getting publicly released. The studios are kind of saying, well, here, here's public can see kind of the deal that we put on the table um, that uh, obviously hasn't been reached because the strikes are still going. Right. Okay. Um, so... Uh, the proposal included a 13% compounded wage increase over three years, uh, 5% in year one, 4% in year two, and 3.5% in year three, which is that biggest wage increase uh, for the Writers Guild in 35 years. Um, right. The proposal also increased uh, included increased residual checks for reruns of shows, uh, although they didn't um, say kind of how much they've increased them, which is probably an important component uh, right. in, in whether this deal is actually good. Um, and also included protections around uh, the use of AI and data transparency regarding streaming viewer viewership data. Um, right. And also to train writers to become showrunners, um, which has been kind of one of the biggest issues that writers have had with studios is writers, especially in this streaming era, have been kind of reducing the reliance on writers and, and uh, that historically writers would kind of be there the whole way through the process that have, they'd have the writers rooms and then even through production, they'd be on set learning from the showrunners and making adaptions to the, to the, to the, to the scripts. And right. uh, that's kind of been cut down pretty significantly in this new streaming era, um, which has kind of limited the ability of writers to actually learn how to become directors and, and, and showrunners which is I see. Um, something that a lot of writers want. Um, most, yeah, mm. like it's, it's kind of a, that's kind of the natural progression for writers is if they want to take it to the next level, then they want to be, you know, running the show. Um, so they kind of had this career progression <laughs> opportunity back in the day and that's slowly kind of eroded and yeah. they kind of, they just want, they want that back. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. So uh, those were kind of some of the things uh, included in the proposal. Uh, AMPTP. It's a mouthful. Uh, President Carol Lombardini uh, said, our priority is to end the strike uh, so that valued members of the creative community can return to what they do best and to end the hardships that so many people and businesses that service the industry are experiencing. Uh, We've come to the table with an offer to meet the priority concerns that writers have expressed. We're deeply committed to ending the strike and hopeful that the Writers Guild will work towards the same resolution. Um, so that's this movie studio side saying, "Hey, look, we put this proposal on the table, and we want to we want to end this strike." Um, mm. So it's all over, right? 
it's done. <laughs> <Right>? Well, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, the, so the proposal, as I said, the proposal was released today, um, but it was actually given to the Writers Guild almost two weeks ago. So clearly, since they haven't reached a deal, uh, discussions and kind of negotiations are still ongoing. Um, the writer said that rather than good faith talks, uh, they were actually met with a lecture about how good their single and only counter offer was. Um, a quote from the writers said, uh, this wasn't a meeting to make a deal. This was a meeting to get us to cave, which is why not 20 minutes after we left the meeting, uh, the AMPT, AMPTP released its summary of their proposals. Um, so uh, they also said uh, the, that the proposal included limitations and loopholes and omissions that failed to protect Hollywood writers. So um, they mm. clearly are not... Uh, thinking that this is actually a real deal. They think it's kind of a cosmetic deal. And the fact that the studios are putting it out publicly is is, is a part of that to say, look, it's actually the writers that are holding this up. We've come to the yeah. table with a good deal. Uh, the Guild is saying, no, this deal is not what we're asking for. It's nowhere near what we want. There's a bunch of loopholes that mean you might not have actually have to satisfy some of the um, parts of the, uh, of the deal. Um, so, yeah, it's a story, but also a non-story because it looks like there's still going to be a bit of a stalemate kind of going forward um, yeah. for, for some time. It's interesting because I, my naive kind of original view of this whole um, story was oh, the, actors are, the actors are going on strike. Come on. <laughs> These guys, yeah. you know, Harrison Ford's making 20 million bucks for appearing in Star Wars episodes. Like, come on. But... Um, I guess you just fail to realise like how many actors are involved in all all this sort of stuff and how many writers are involved because I remember mm-hmm. see, the the thing that changed it for me was a clip of uh, I think his name is Danny Trejo, Trejo. Um, he said, "Look, at at the end of the day, you know, actors look like this amazing, well paid kind of uh, profession, but we're not all Brad Pitt." No, yeah. <laughs> so and, and it makes sense. Yeah, it, even to the side of like, obviously, it's, it's an extremely top-heavy industry, like actors, for example. Mm, but even if yeah. you, even if you go step aside from the people trying to be like lead actors and 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 supporting actors, even just like um, extras, right? Like they're still yeah. actors, and that's more of a. I guess like a regular acting job, right? So that and that mm. that makes up you know a huge portion of the 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 people in these unions of people who just their job is acting and yeah it, it's it's kind of hard to think of it because it's like we think of actors as this as the superstars that we see on tv but it's also a much broader yeah. industry and the same thing applies to to writers as well you know there's there's the yeah. writers we might hear about oh you you know they wrote this huge you know they wrote this incredible story that's gone into this massive yeah. series um but there's also the writers that work day to day to run just you know late night shows for example and, and yeah just, you know the, the day-to-day writing work in in the industry that doesn't mm. get that kind of flashy um a- appeal so um yeah i, I hope they resolve it quickly because it's um yeah as i said it's been going on for a long time um well I, yeah i also don't know i wish i knew how extent because how extensive this all is because it's like you don't i guess you don't have to be a part of a union right like there are still going to be actors out there there's still going to be writers out there um that are happy to work like they they want the money so whatever they'll they'll get the job done it's interesting to see like how much of an impact this has it sounds like it's having quite a big impact on like how many shows are being written how many movies are being made 
Um, yeah. But I just don't don't really know. I mean, the Writers Guild is like a huge part of the the industry. I mean, it's, it's a massive thing. It, it's enormous. And yeah, yeah. it is interesting because even with movies that have been produced and are ready to go to release later the, this year, uh, if actors are on strike, they can't do any promotional material for those shows, uh, which is oh, why... I see. So, so there's these kind of rules in place where... Um, there's there's even limitations on shows that are already have already been already been made. So like Dune, for mm. example, um, that the second uh, movie of, of Dune is supposed to be coming out later this year, um, but we and it's it's finished, it's it's ready to go, uh, right. but we might not end up actually seeing it because the actors, the big superstar like Zendaya and the, these actors that are uh, a part of the film and who would be promoting it, and that makes a big part of the success of the film, won't be able to do so if the actors are still on strike. Um, right. Okay. So it has really been a standstill in the industry, um, which is interesting because, and I don't know if this is just a tactic that studios are using, but a lot of studios are coming out and saying they're actually saving money from this, which I guess is potentially true in the short term. Longer term, you'd have to imagine this is going to cripple the studios because they're not mm. actually producing any new content. Yeah. Uh, but you know, in the short term, short term, you had Warner Brothers come out and say that they saved a hundred million dollars in Q two <laughs> due to the shutdowns because they're just not making right. anything. And then Disney's content spend actually came in a billion dollars less than expected, um, right. which was uh, quoted to be partly due to the strikes. So, I guess at least in the short term, unfortunately for the the actors and, and the writers, it seems like the studios are doing okay um, yeah. based on this. Unless it's not that's, really hurting Unless yet. that's just a tactic. Like, I guess maybe that is something. It could be. Maybe that is something you would say. <laughs> it kind of makes sense. But yeah, it kind of makes sense because by saying, oh, <clears throat> by not making movies and TV shows, we're actually saving money. Well, if you run with that approach, then clearly your business is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> if it's like, by, by not running our business... We are doing so much yeah. better. By just doing reruns of stuff we used to make, which used to be great, yeah. <laughs> we're doing better than the crap we put out now. No. <laughs> hmm. yeah. No, yeah. but yeah. 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 It's yeah, like it us funny. saying, you know what? By not making YouTube videos, we're actually doing so much better now. Yeah. It's yeah. like People no, just watch well, our obviously. old videos and they're so much yeah. better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh dear. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to cover on this one? Um, no, that that's all. So, yeah, I guess we'll see. I think it's uh, – I don't actually know if it's yet past the 2011 strike, uh, how long that strike went for, but it must be very close now because that one was about 100 days as well. So um, Okay. And, yeah, and, and as I said, kind of so far, maybe we haven't seen too much of an impact from it, um, but certainly as time goes on, we're going to start seeing a gap in, in, in content. Yeah. Um, whether right. that's because of they, they want to push stuff back and wait for promotion or just the fact that, yeah, I mean, studios haven't been making anything new for, for months now. Um, mm. And that's going to, you know, bleed into next year, I guess, when we see some of those productions or the lack mm. of productions. Yeah, interesting. Um, I've got another story. While we're while we're talking in the um, in oh, the yeah. movie space, mm-hmm. this is about a uh, a movie that did get made, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that that is Barbie. So I thought this is quite interesting. Definitely took me by surprise. Um, last Tuesday, Barbie topped five hundred and thirty seven million dollars, making it the highest grossing domestic movie in Warner Brothers Warner Brothers Discovery's history. Um, which spans over a hundred years. Wow. The film surpassed Christopher Nolan's *The Dark Knight*, which generated five hundred and thirty-six million in two thousand and eight. That for the title is crazy. 
Um, yeah. And it, so Barbie yeah. now beats the Dark Knight. Hamish, how does that make you feel? Well, it's it's crazy, but it it does. It speaks to kind of what well, I think we spoke about this maybe a couple of weeks ago uh, about just the power of social media. Like a, I, I would have to imagine a huge part of the reason why Barbie is doing so well is has been this this Barbenheimer hype on social media, yeah. uh, which I'm sure has fueled both of them. But Barbie also being a, a movie that's probably available to more people, it's more general, more general um, kids included, yeah. it, it, exactly. So it probably benefits more from that kind of mass marketing on social media. Um, so yeah, it, but it is crazy. Uh, and it does, it, I think it definitely just demonstrates the power of social media and how much it, of a difference it can make for film studios to, to make something that has that, that virality, um, even intended or not. Um, I'm mm. sure I doubt when they were making Barbie, they were sitting there thinking, let's release this on the same day as Oppenheimer so that they make memes about mm. Barbenheimer. <laughs> I mean, maybe yeah. they did. but I, Maybe I, there's I, a strategy there. Maybe. I'd love to see the Very meeting nice. notes from that if, that if that was true. Yeah. Uh, Says the bubblegum pink collaboration between filmmaker Greta Gerwig, Mattel and Warner Brothers has collected more than $1.2 billion at the global box office since its July 21 release. Crazy. It is the first, uh, it is the first billion dollar film for the newly minted Warner Brothers Discovery, uh, the result of the Warner Media and Discover merger in Discovery merger in 2022. Is it Discover or Discovery? Discovery. Is that a t- yeah, that's a, that's a typo in, in their, in their uh, article. Yeah. Um, and only the second movie released in 2023 to do so. Universal's The Super Mario Brothers movie has topped $1.3 billion since its April debut. Did you see that movie? I didn't see that movie. I didn't. No, I haven't seen that. Mm. No. Um, the success of Barbie comes at a time when blockbuster, blockbuster budgeted films have struggled to connect with movie-going audiences alongside Nolan's latest feature, Oppenheimer, which has grossed more than $250 million domestically. Barbie proves that moviegoers are still interested in leaving their couches for quality films and unique communal experiences. So that's kind of what you're, you're saying, those, those unique experiences that everybody kind of gets behind yeah. together. And I, I, I think... Because people are just going to movies less, I think uh, people are kind of being a little bit more picky and choosy about which ones they go to. So it's also not surprising to see when there is something that's incredibly popular that it does really well. Um, So I guess what I'm saying is kind of movies that are really well put together um, being a little bit more top-heavy rather than all movies kind Mm. of benefiting from this natural... You know, yeah. a lot of people going to the theatre, which is kind of what yeah. we've seen because we've seen a lot of movies bomb this year and then a couple yeah. of movies do- like be record, record-breaking record movies. It's not like everything mm. is kind of, you know, uh, going up together. A lot of movies have absolutely bombed out, out, of, the, out of the box office this year. So it is interesting mm. to see that kind of split. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, very interesting. It's a good point, actually. Um, I think that's all I had to say. The Margot Robbie-led film has been number one at the box office since its debut and is on track to be the highest grossing film of the year. Box office analysts expect Barbie to continue to collect box office receipts in the weeks to come as it faces limited competition from new releases and rides a wave of positive word of mouth. Did you end up seeing the Barbie movie? No. No, I didn't. Did you? Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, I saw it. Yeah? Yeah. Enjoyed Um, it? I mean, I'm not the intended, I'm not the target audience. Um, I saw it with Tash. Um, I thought it was all right. I mean, Ryan Gosling is pretty funny um, throughout the movie. Um, There's a couple of good cracks, good jokes in there. Um, 
But no, I didn't think it was anything overly amazing. Yeah. Um, the story's like just a bit, you know, nonsensical and just comedic, but that's yeah. okay. For some for some people, and I'm sure for a lot of kids, um, they would have absolutely loved it. And yeah. even a lot of adults, especially uh, adult uh, adult girls that grew up with the Barbie mm. dolls, there's a lot of a lot of kind of jokes and references yeah, back to that makes sense. like the ori- like the original dolls and which ones were discontinued and which ones did really well and which ones flopped and right, like okay, yeah, Margot yeah. Robbie plays stereotypical Barbie yeah yeah <laughs> and there are other other people that which play different variants of Barbie over time yeah yeah interesting. interesting yeah <laughs> yeah I don't know I I like going and see comedies but I don't like going and seeing comedies at the theater I kind of reserve mm. going to the theater for something that I know will be theater experience like all of christopher nolan's movies are kind of like made for the theater like the the, i liked oppenheimer a lot lot more than barbie oh you did go and see it yeah 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 i thought it was a lot better than barbie yeah um but yeah more of a niche audience yeah yeah for sure it's also i can i can tell you because i know you hamish Barbie is is not quite your humor. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe maybe I'll check it out when it comes to some streaming service that I have. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, now you you have a follow up. Wow, we've got a lot of TV I, I know, and movie we, news. I know today. we're turning into a we're turning into a movie <laughs> a movie uh, podcast. That's all right. It's, it's all cool. kind of it's numbers. kind of cool to be to kind of hone in on one particular industry for an episode. We've yeah. got a lot of movie and TV news. Anyway, take yeah. us through what, what you've got here. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Th- so this was from last week, actually. But um, uh, every now and then I kind of check in on uh, how people are kind of spending their time being engaged. And Nielsen does this great report called The Gauge every month where you get to see um, just a pie chart breakdown of um, how people are being engaged and how that's kind of shifted over time, kind of away from legacy you know, television towards streaming and which streaming services and, and gaming and that sort of thing. And they released their data last week uh, for July. Uh, streaming increased its share of the pie to 38.7%. So now 38. This is in the US, by the way, but 38.7% of uh, viewing time in the US of, in July was through streaming, which is, you know, that's it's a pretty sizable chunk now. Um, streaming is not some niche thing. I'm sure most people know that, but <laughs> yeah, certainly over the last five <laughs> years, it's uh, it's 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 really developed, especially with you know Disney and and Warner Brothers all coming out with their own services. Uh, both yep. cable and broadcast fell uh, to 29.6% and 20% respectively, which is kind of reflected a fairly uh, consistent ongoing trend, especially when the NFL isn't on uh, in the in, in the US. <clears throat> they, they kind of right. suffer relative to, to streaming services around this time. Uh, also, it's interesting because it's actually school holidays at the moment in, in the US. So you get to see right. how does... Usually there's quite a dramatic shift as school holidays um, arrives because... Uh, you get to see a bunch of kids driving TV viewing or, 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 or um, yeah, t- TV and, and streaming viewing. Um, so you actually saw YouTube, Netflix, and Hulu all see massive increases in, in their piece of the pie, which maybe Hulu's a bit surprising, but certainly YouTube and Netflix shouldn't be too surprising there. Uh, YouTube now grabs, get this, 9.2% of all Whoa. television viewing. And this is television. This isn't computers. This isn't phones. Mm. This is television. So they grab almost 10% of all viewing. They're actually half, almost half as much as broadcast TV as, as a percentage. Wow. Which is crazy, That's right? That's a good way of thinking about like, it. That's insane. And this is TV, That's a remember? This is not including 
the majority of the way people can consume YouTube, which is on yep. computers and on their on their on their mobile devices, on the television. So YouTube yep. is a real contender now. I mean, it has been for a while, but it it really is a big piece of how people spend their time when they sit on the couch and they turn the TV on. Um, mm. And I've I've noticed this as well. Like I've always watched YouTube. Um, I had a really bad TV previously, so I never used to watch it on on TV. But I've even mm. noticed it like um, when I used to go over to my parents' house. My dad would mm. be watching, you know, ABC News or something <laughs> like that, just on free to air, yeah. you know, free to air TV. And now I go over there, I walk in and he's watching YouTube. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, yeah. 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 He's discovered it. He's watching Netflix with mum or he's watching YouTube by himself. And now that's his, he probably consumes most of his, um, that's where he spends most of his time watching YouTube. Yeah, um, it's kind of crazy. As opposed to free to air. Yeah. And I think it's a good thing for people who make longer content on YouTube because I think there was a bit of a fear that short content and TikTok was going to drastically reduce the size of content on YouTube. And someone like me, I like making longer pieces of content, like 12, 15-minute, 20-minute pieces of content. Mm. And having a lot of people watching on TV, uh, probably I, I would imagine, significantly adds to that. Because when you're sitting on the TV, you're much more comfortable watching a program, right? Watching something for 20 minutes, maybe even an hour. There's a lot of awesome kind of mini documentaries or documentaries on YouTube that are like 40, 50 minutes, 60 minutes long. And I think mm. more people watching from the couch probably helps those have a have a strong place on YouTube, which I'm very happy about um, mm. alongside kind of short form content. Um, so that's YouTube, you got, Hamish? 9.2%. Uh, Netflix is in second place at 8.5%. They also saw a pretty big bump. Uh, Hulu is third at 3.6%. Uh, and then it kind of just goes down the list from there with all the other uh, streaming services taking a couple of percent or 1%. Uh, wow, Hulu's <coughs> bigger than Disney Plus. It is. Um, by quite Interesting. a lot as well. Disney Plus is 1.8%. Um, wow. So, and, and what's important to remember is in the US, Disney Plus... So in Australia, I should say, Disney Plus and Hulu are combined. Um, so mm. we, we get it, well, for whatever licenses they're allowed to ship over here into Australia. But um, we get kind of a mix. So Disney Plus is a much more um, broad platform. Disney Plus is a much more broad platform um, in Australia, whereas in the in the US, it's much more just the, the just the Disney titles that you would, you know, the direct Disney stuff that you Oh, uh, okay. Um, so, yes. So, so Hulu is the more drama programs owned by yep. Disney, if that makes sense. Um, it's just so interesting. I just find that so interesting because Disney has been marketing Disney Plus so, so, so much. For, for those that don't know, Disney yeah. Plus uh, and Hulu are both owned by Disney. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, that just surprises me a lot. They've been putting so much time and effort into marketing Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. Yet Hulu still dominates. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it, that's that's all. It I, is that's interesting. All I, I wonder if they'll ever. Well, they they don't own all of Hulu, as far as I know. I think they own two thirds of it. Um, and oh, okay. I, I believe oh, I might butcher this, but I think uh, Universal owns the up. other third. Maybe Com. Yeah, it must be actually it must be Com- Comcast. The parent of Universal. Comcast. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, correct. So I think that limits their ability to maybe have, do exactly what they want with it. I don't know if they're going to spin it off or whether they should just put it under the Disney brand or whether they should put the Disney and the Hulu brand, but I don't know. Um, it is mm. kind of odd, yeah, having these kind of split assets in that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry for derailing you a little bit there. No, no, that's all right. Um, the TV series that took the prize for the most streamed series in July was Suits, um, which is a, a show that 
does not run anymore, which uh, kind of speaks to the whole uh, no mm. new content coming out anymore. <laughs> People just love to, um, you know, access the legacy libraries. Uh, Suits racked up a total of 18 billion watch minutes across Netflix and Peacock, which are the two platforms that it's currently streaming on. Um, well, we over the month of July, which is kind of crazy. 18 billion minutes. Um, so there you you seen it? I have, yeah. Not all of it, actually. I, I didn't watch the last couple of seasons, but... Um, right. But yeah, one of my favourites. Falls favorite. off a cliff like they normally do. Yeah, yeah. The first couple of seasons mm. are, are really, really good. Probably one of my favourite series right. of all time. Yeah. Right, okay. I might have to watch it. I've never seen Suits. Yeah, it's good. It's like it's good if like you like legal stuff, but you're <laughs> not actually in the legal field. Like like they do a lot of... Uh, I'm sure if, you, if you're in the legal field, it probably infuriates you watching Suits. You're probably like... <laughs> yeah, you know, like they're reading a document in half a second. Like, here, take a look at this. <laughs> like, okay. this is what we need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just like a bunch of like dodging the like breaking the law and stuff that just would not happen right. at a legal firm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but so it's probably <laughs> annoying if you're a lawyer. But um, but for someone like me, it's good. <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, anything else on the on the. Uh, Nielsen report. Um, that's it for the Nielsen report. One last bit of media news that we had, which is, so I'll tack this on at the end. Um, okay. But Disney also, this is a couple of weeks ago now, but they also announced that they're going to follow Netflix in doing a password crackdown. Um, ah. So they've uh, they've seen Netflix gain six million subscribers last quarter, while Disney Plus lost four million. And uh, they've decided to do a password crackdown. So uh, Bob Iger said they already have the capability to do it and they'll roll it out on Disney Plus, Hulu and ESPN Plus towards the end of the year. So not surprising. Um, You know, businesses love to let one company do it, see what happens, let them eat all the all the backlash, and then they'll just slide in and do it. We even saw Costco, yeah. I think we spoke about a few weeks ago, not related to media, but they're also doing a, a crackdown on sharing their memberships, which has been yeah. kind of a big um, lack of or, or, um, a limitation on their revenue for a while. So it's just funny mm-hmm. to see. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if we see Warner Brothers and, and some of these other companies follow suit now that it oh, – I guess it's probably going to come become kind of industry standard, I would imagine. Because it worked quite well for Netflix. So, yeah. Yeah, at, least, at least so far. They're all going to yeah. follow suit. Yeah. Mm. yeah, sure. Yeah. All right, shall we wrap up our big movie TV show? Yes. Entertainment industry news section. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Wowie. All right, well, I'm going to talk about uh, NVIDIA. Did you see oh. they just released their earnings? Did you see what happened? I did not see what happened. No, no. And, well, yeah. you're gonna, because we've we covered Nvidia a while ago as like the big new meme stock because it just I think their market cap went at the at the time it just touched a trillion dollars. Yeah, we should give some what give some context like on, yeah, a couple of billion dollars worth of uh, of of earnings or something um, during the quarter. It was something like that. Yeah, it was like two point something. Yeah, so they're mm. up. Um, I'm just pulling up their results for this year so far. They're up 230% the stock. Um, sorry if I'm still in your story. I just wanted to give some context. No, no, no. So, so far before their earnings. Um, 230% uh, is the stock, stock is up this year. Uh, the biggest increase in the S&P um, this year. Uh, and they're the fourth mm. largest company in the S&P. Um, as you said, over a trillion dollars. So, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So, I mean, we were floating around the, the, the term meme stock um, based on the valuation at the time. 
But yep. um, they have just posted some pretty big earnings uh, numbers. So I'll, I'll talk you through what happened. It says here, NVIDIA shares climbed 6% in extended trading on Wednesday after the chipmaker beat estimates for the fiscal second quarter and issued optimistic guidance for the current period. NVIDIA's performance was driven by its data center business, which includes AI chips as cloud service providers and large consumer internet companies like Alphabet, Amazon, and Meta snapped up next-generation processes. The company reported $10.32 billion in revenue for that segment, up 171% year-over-year, and above the $8.03 billion estimate, according to street accounts. So, Estimates were $8.03 billion for that segment. They came in at 10.32. Yeah, that, that's an astounding so, beat. That's crazy. Mm. I mean, we, we do joke about analysts getting things wrong, but on a quarter-by-quarter quarter basis, it's usually they're not that far off. There has to be something pretty dramatic that's, that's they're happened. They're in the ballpark. Uh, yeah, usually they're in the ballpark. Um, mm. So, yeah, that is that is insane to see um, that they beat and by, yeah. like, I don't know, what, 25% or something like that. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Um, NVIDIA added that it saw its adjusted gross margin increase 25.3 percentage points year over year to 71.2% because of growth in profit-rich data center sales. Crazy. So that's a pretty handy increase in your gross margin. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. And as we've seen with companies, you have a big increase in revenue, but if you can also increase your margin, then the increase in earnings is going to be astounding. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, mm. a lot of companies can can increase their revenue by heaps, but with that revenue comes pretty high cost of goods sold. So yep. they don't actually, they're not making an outsized profit. You know, they have this massive jump in revenue, but the actual addition to their profit is only modest. It's comparable to the increase in the revenue, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay. Where was I? Uh, NVIDIA... No, sorry, the gaming division. So that was their data center division. The gaming division, which used to be NVIDIA's core business, right? Graphics cards, all that sort of stuff. They saw revenue increase 22% from a year earlier to $2.49 billion, topping the $2.38 billion uh, average estimate. Um, NVIDIA also makes chips for high-end graphics applications. That business shrank 24% year-over-year uh, to $379 million, so it's a much smaller part of the business. The company uh, reported also $253 million in automotive revenue, up 15% from a year earlier, so that they also create the chipsets that are um, kind of backing the autonomous driving revolution. Right. So... What were their overall results? So they kind of broke it down into their different um, divisions. Uh, their overall results, revenue came in at $13.51 billion versus $11.22 billion expected by Refinitiv. Um, revenue in the second quarter doubled from $6.7 billion a year earlier and increased 88% from the, current, uh, from the prior period, I should say. Wow, so... Big beats. Yep. Um, net income jumped to six point one nine billion, or two dollars forty eight a share, from six hundred and fifty six million <laughs> a year earlier. There you go. That's that's pretty nice. That's net income jumping from six hundred and fifty six million to six point one nine billion. Yeah. Um, and that what that meant for their earnings. So two dollars seventy per share adjusted versus uh, two dollars and nine cents per share expected. 
Um, so I thought what, what what we can do is we can kind of look at their PE ratio um, because if let's say let's say we annualize this two dollars and seventy cents per share. So let's say they do the next the next four quarters they pull in two dollars seventy per share in earnings. Mm. Um, <clears throat> that would give them ten dollars and eighty cents in earnings per share for the year. Um, now the stock price currently sits at five hundred and two dollars after hours. Mm. Um, so even if they continued on their merry way and had this level of success over the next four quarters, um, that would still give the current share price that would have a PE ratio of 46.48. Yeah. Which is, well, like about three times the market historical average kind of thing. So, yeah, uh, I think we spoke about last time we spoke, spoke about NVIDIA, like maybe one way you can kind of think about rationalizing PE ratios is if you expect that that PE ratio over the very, very long term will kind of uh, revert to the mean, kind of normalize to mm. kind of 15 to 25 times. And what would the yeah. earnings need to do if that's if necessary? And I think I said something along the lines of there at, at the time, the earnings would need to go up maybe like 50 times um, just to just to uh, uh, make the current stock yeah. price um, justifiable. And uh, then, you know, then it's down to, well, is that reasonable? And obviously they just increased their quarter, this quarter's earnings by 10 times. Right. Which, so, you know, I think it's important. It's fun to talk about these stocks as meme stocks, but at the end of the day, it comes down to your understanding of the business. And while maybe it's a little crazy to assume that a company will grow their earnings 50 times, maybe there really is a, a good reason to support that. Uh, there could be because companies have yeah. done that before. It's not very common, but it has happened before. So at the end of the day, yeah. it's like the PE can be high, it can be low. It comes down to do you understand the business and what's a reasonable projection forward? Because um, yep. yeah, Nvidia's certainly got an expensive stock price, but they're also doing quite well at the moment. I think yeah, um, they're they're experiencing a very good run. I think the other the other thing to add is when we were looking at Nvidia back a month or so or a couple of months ago, um, it's it's you know you can get these ten x's in earnings, but or twenty x's or fifty x's in earnings in some companies, but usually you get them in companies that are starting extremely small. Like mm. it's it's a very, very small company and then it takes off, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, if, if I have a business that's pulling in 100 grand a year, then it's much easier for me to 50x my business than if I'm Apple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, and so kind of the point we were making back then is that NVIDIA, people were expecting via the share price for this business to, you know, double, triple, quadruple itself. But NVIDIA is already a very large company with very yep. large operations. So that is a much difficult task yep. um, to do. Uh, but, I mean, credit to them. They're posting some some uh, very impressive results and they're really capitalizing on this uh, 2023 kind of popularization or, or this waking up moment mm. of these big, internet tech companies that they they should push more for for these ai um models um yeah so i think it's interesting yeah mm. for sure mm. um nvidia's strong sales and forecast underscore how central the company's graphics processing units have become to the generative ai boom nvidia's a100 and h100 ai chips are needed to build and run ai applications like OpenAI's chat gpt 
and other services that take simple text queries and respond with conversational answers or images. Quote, the world has something along the lines of about a trillion dollars worth of data centers installed in the cloud, enterprise, and otherwise, NVIDIA CEO Jensen Huang said on a call with analysts. Quote, that trillion dollars of data centers is in the process of transitioning into accelerated computing and generative AI. So NVIDIA are definitely moving to capitalize, and they're seeing very, very high orders uh, for their hardware at the current time. Um, but the news doesn't quite stop there because they also put in some very uh, optimistic guidance. Right. Uh, so NVIDIA expects um, fiscal third quarter revenue of about $16 billion, higher than the $12.61 billion forecast by Refinitiv. Um, NVIDIA's guidance suggests sales in the current quarter will grow 170% from the year earlier period. Right. So, wow. pretty crazy. Even before Wednesday's report, NVIDIA's stock price had more than tripled for the year, making it the top performer in the S&P 500. It jumped to around $500 after hours, a level that would uh, mark a record if it closes there on Thursday. Its prior closing high was $474.94 on July 18th. Mm. Um so there yeah, you go. That, that'll be the interesting thing to watch, right? Because obviously a lot of the stock price increase this year is probably preemptive in 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 uh, in hope of, of earnings reflecting that throughout the year, maybe next year. So it'll be interesting to see as these earnings do actually come out over the rest of the year, what does the stock do? Does it continue to drive higher as people get more and more confident in the stock? Or does the stock kind of just let earnings kind of catch up? To you mm. know the, the 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 hype that it's kind of already uh, had throughout the earlier part of the year, that's always fun to kind of see how that balance plays out. Um, mm. Yeah, you never really. I'd know. love to. Um, I'd love to get your. I've got one more thing to say on Nvidia, which I think this this is going to really wow you, Hamish. You're okay. going to really love this. Right. Uh, I'll be interested to hear your seat. opinion. Yeah. Um. So what is it? One point something trillion dollar valuation. Yep. Yep. If, if they continue this performance over the next year or so, they've still got a PE of 47, 46, yeah. right? Um, and you'll be excited to know that NVIDIA said its board of directors authorized a $25 billion, uh, uh, $25 billion share repurchase program. I think you meant the company... Per- I think you meant After to say the p- company sorry, purchased $3.28 billion in shares during the last quarter. Right. I think you meant to say they were issuing stock because it's so expensive, right? They can get a lot of bang for their buck. I think that's what, I think it's a, that must be a typo. No, there's no, no way. Hamish. Now's <laughs> the time to buy back stock. Yeah. That's, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Look, that is an interesting move. I, I'm, I'll be honest. I don't know much about this company, so I don't know. Nah, me I either. mean, look, look, maybe it's undervalued. Who Who knows? I think Clearly, um, they think so. I, I I don't know anything about this. I, I really don't. Um, I, that that's that's really the bottom line. It's it's fun to look at companies with really high PEs and and absurd growth targets, and a lot of the time they do get crushed. That's just the the, the nature of it because most of the time these hype stocks don't meet these absurd expectations. But then you also, I also don't know. Um, obviously, you know AI is very hyped this year, but it's also likely to become a very embedded part of these uh, all businesses and and people's lives mm. and that means that yeah this this underlying infrastructure which i think the ceo said what do you say a trillion dollars worth of infrastructure is going mm. to be updated and if it, nvidia is capitalizing on that then then there is potentially an enormous market for it but i don't know um 
but I wouldn't do it. I thought I could fire him <laughs> up, everyone. I thought I could fire him up with that. Yeah, I think nope. I, I he's, slept he's well. He's very reserved today. We've got we've got a reserved Hamish Hodder over there today, everyone. Sorry, yeah. I wanted yeah. to wanted to spark some controversy. You, trying to get a little me. fire in the belly. It yeah, just, just hasn't quite happened today. That's no, okay. Good for them. Good for Nvidia. Good for the shareholders. Good for them. Okay. <laughs> um, what did you have? That's all I've got to talk about for NVIDIA. What did you have? We'll just quickly go through Qantas. What did you yeah. find with Qantas? Yeah, I thought we'd chuck in it. We haven't done an Australian uh, earnings in a while. Mm. And uh, Qantas is a is a big uh, household name um, in Australia. And mm-hmm. they reported their full year earnings. Uh, Qantas Airways being the owner of airlines Qantas and Jetstar. Uh, they reported uh, revenue of 19.8 billion get this up from 9.1 billion last year oh wow doubling in their revenue so nvidia who Qantas yeah (laughs) where's where's Qantas's massive valuation exactly where's their trillion dollar valuation (laughs) yeah um they also reported their first full year profit since 2019 1.74 billion dollars um after tax is that more than nvidia i think they have more profits than nvidia as well oh wow But uh, compared to a $860 million loss last year. So they've been Mm. tanking uh, losses uh, out of the pandemic and then the increase in uh, fuel. And then there was a, they were having trouble with their staff. There's been all kinds of problems in the airline industry. Um, So they've finally reported a profit and a pretty significant one at that. Uh, Strong results uh, were driven by their cost cutting and management. um, But, Primarily, it was driven by a 132% increase in flying compared to last year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Australians are, um, uh, are flying a lot this year. Uh, ticket prices are also up 4% for domestic and 10% for international uh, compared to pre-COVID levels. So, um, flying is expensive and everybody is doing it, um, mm. which uh, is, is why they're, they're doing uh, so extremely well. Um, mm. And their revenues this year are actually 10% higher than 2019, so before the pandemic, which is kind oh. of mind-blowing, right? So yeah. um, they're actually in a superior position than to even before the pandemic, which again speaks to this enormous amount of demand that there has been for, for travel coming out of the pandemic. Mm. Right. There you go. Uh, Qantas Group CEO Alan Joyce said, uh, these results show a substantial turnaround in both our finances and service over the past year. Uh, flight delays and cancellations have largely returned to pre-COVID levels. Sorry if you're listening from America. <laughs> Dealing with the current insane uh, cancellations. Have you seen that funny video? Um, there's a, some, some lady was like, I, I'm not, she must have had some role in aviation. She was saying that, um, that they'd be managing their cancellations and the cameraman just pans up to like the board of the flights and they're just all cancelled. <laughs> yeah. It's just so, yeah. It's just I did perfect. see that actually. Just yeah, perfect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sorry if you're in America. Um, yeah. Uh, in Australia, apparently our flight uh, delays and cancellations have been um, quite good. Uh, we flew, we safely flew uh, around 70 billion more seat kilometres and double the number of people we carried to 46 million compared to the year before. Travel demand is increasingly robust and we've taken delivery of more aircraft and opened up new routes to uh, help meet it. Uh, So they've invested in expanding their fleet. They ordered 12 new Boeing 787s and 12 Airbus A350s. And they also announced a $500 million share buyback program. Of course they did. Smart. (laughs) Alan Joyce needs to hit that little bonus on the earnings per share. (laughs) Exactly. Mm, Get one one last boost in before he leaves. Um, Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, No, in all honesty, I I like to see it. Um, This is good. Um, You know, it's good to see airlines 
well, at least one airline coming back. And uh, I just like it because it kind of represents that we're, I feel like we've crossed that hurdle. We're, we're kind of through the pandemic a little bit. Yes, we're still yeah. dealing with the economic implications of the lockdown and all of that sort of stuff. But just these kind of results, people are traveling, airlines are back, travel's back. It just makes me feel good. Yeah. No, no, no great insights from me for today. Just yeah. that that makes me feel happy. <laughs> that makes Brandon feel good. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, no, very good. Yeah, I don't have any extra insights on that too. Just a just a right, nice cool. Australian story to 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 close out the the story hey. section of the podcast. Well, with that said then, let's get into some Q&A questions. Um, so yes. if you have any questions, just drop them in the Spotify question box or you can go to the most recent version of the podcast on YouTube, drop us a comment and we'll add it to the list. So Hamish, mm-hmm. um, let me ask you uh, this one here. Charlie Munger says that the return you get tends to trend towards return investor capital. So the future return is expected to be the long-term average ROIC of the company. But what if, for example, you have a company with ROIC of 20%, but a revenue growth rate of nothing? Hmm. Um, how do you value the company then? And what is the expected return? Technical yeah, question. That's Jeez. interesting. I, um, I haven't actually heard that quote. I'm not sure. Maybe I'd have to kind of listen to the full context of it to kind of understand it. But the way to think about ROIC is kind of like... Or like a simple way to think about it is um, is to kind of think of it from like a savings account perspective. Think of like your savings account with the rate on it and the rate is kind of the ROIC. So if you, right. like every year the savings account produces some interest and if you leave all of it in there, then your account is going to grow, is going to compound essentially at the rate of your savings rate. It's going to compound at the ROIC, right? But if you take out half or if you take out all the interest, if you take out all the interest, it doesn't matter what interest rate is on there, your account's actually not going to grow. It's just going to keep producing Mm. the same amount every year. And that's the relationship between the ROIC and the growth of the company. So if a company is producing a 20% ROIC and it's reinvesting all their profits and it's still generating a 20% ROIC, the company's earnings are growing at 20%. That's just, that's that's exactly what it means, right? Because that's that's how the formula works. But if they're producing a 20% ROIC, but they're reinvesting nothing, they're not going to, they're probably not going to grow unless there's special circumstances. This is kind of like rough maths, right? Because there's some companies that don't need to reinvest more money to grow. Um, but generally speaking, that's kind of the, the, the fundamentals that you can kind of think about. So I haven't heard that particular quote. Um, but the way that I think about it is, you know, I, you want companies that are very efficient. Uh, and then as Buffett would say, in best cases, you want companies that are, you know, very efficient, high return on invested capital, and they can grow, meaning they have the opportunities in the business to take some of their profits, reinvest it into some new ventures, expanding their business and then grow from it as well. But it, it's still a good business if it doesn't grow. It can still be a really efficient, high ROIC business, but it just you know spits all the cash flow out to you as a dividend or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Well said, Hamish. Yeah, honestly, I don't, think, uh, I don't think I would look at a company that just doesn't have any growth, say, in, in revenue, because that's kind of one of the one of the things you look yeah. for to, to show that there's a, a, a moat. But I like the example. I can't explain it better than you did. Um, that was very nicely handled. Um, I like it. All right. Let me, uh, I'll ask this question to you. Okay, cool. Uh, if you believe that Warren Buffett is the greatest investor of all time, 
Um, if that's a <laughs> yes, he is. Um, he is. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, why do you uh, why do you pick stocks instead of just buying Class B shares in Berkshire Hathaway? Do you think you can do better? It's a really good question, actually. Um, mm. Yeah, um, I actually buy Class A shares. <laughs> no, no, definitely. I actually not. buy Class C shares. Um, they were only Why given class out. C? No, there is. There's no class. No, G. there isn't. I was say. <laughs> Berkshire A shares. I wonder what they're at. Uh, Four hundred thousand. Guess three hundred and three hundred seventy-four thousand. <laughs> no, five hundred thirty-seven thousand. Oh. <laughs> okay, I haven't looked in a while. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I haven't looked in a while either. Um, but yeah, the question, uh, why do you pick stocks instead of buying Class B shares in Berkshire Hathaway? Um, you know, a lot of people a lot of people do kind of treat Berkshire Hathaway as kind of like an ETF where they it's kind of like an ETF, but it's run by the world's best capital allocator. So, yeah. um, and that, that's fair enough. Um, for me personally... Um, I I do I I do own one share of Berkshire Hathaway. Thank you very much. But no, um, I've never really gone into um, Berkshire Hathaway because I just don't quite like the industries don't really hit my circle of competence. I don't really know much about insurance. I don't really know much about railroads and energy companies and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so that's why I've never really. Um, kind of bought into Berkshire Hathaway. I'm sure, like, obviously Berkshire's a high-quality company. It's run by Warren Buffett, for Christ's sake. But, um, yeah, for me personally, I've never I've never drifted down um, down that way. Do I think I can do better than Warren Buffett? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. But, you know, part of investing <clears throat> is being able to sleep well at night. And mm. you sleep well at night when you have a solid understanding of what you hold. Um, and, like, while I'm sure... Uh, investment in Berkshire Hathaway is definitely not the worst thing you could ever do. <laughs> uh, yeah. For me, I just wouldn't feel comfortable not quite understanding that business. Um, but, you know, a lot of people think very differently to me. They're like, yeah, I just dump my portfolio in Berkshire Hathaway and be done with it. Let Warren Buffett deal with it. And that's, you know, yeah, good on you if, if that's that's what you think as well. What do you think, Hamish? Yeah, I mean, all the reasons that, that you listed um, – I'd also say I don't think Buffett would disagree with the idea that it's much more difficult for him to invest now that he's at that size. So, uh, you know, if you're investing with him, it's not just about his pure skill at analysis. It's his pure skill, given the the restraints of running a company that he has to invest hundreds of billions of dollars. Mm. Um, so if, you know, I, I think there's, I don't know, I think there's reasonable doubts that, that Berkshire will continue to outperform the market over time. I don't really know. Um, maybe it will, but certainly I think if you compared Berkshire today and Buffett and then him back in the 80s with a much smaller amount of capital, you would back the Buffett back then to yep. far outperform the one today. And that's not because that's a really good point. And that's not because he's worse as an investor today. He's probably better. He's probably smarter. But it's just, I would say in large part, it's due to the size of, of Berkshire and the options available to him. So I think that's an important thing to consider. It's not just, I like Buffett. He's the best. I'm going to invest with him. He's not, you know, if, if I could get Buffett to manage, a, a, you know, a million dollars or something like that, then yeah, like no way I'm beating Buffett with a million dollars. Yeah. And, and would he beat the S&P with a million dollars? Yeah. He beats the S&P with a million dollars. I would, I would back that in 20 times over. hundred um, yeah. percent. But that's not the, that's not the situation. It's a bit more nuanced than that. That is a good point. One that I didn't even, didn't even register in my brain, but yeah, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. It actually, and you hear Warren Buffett talk about it, where he says, you know, if he if he started again, he could make 
yeah. so much money. But the fact, the reality is, is that he's trying to put tens of billions of dollars into the into these investments, and that limits the amount of companies that he has to choose from. Really. Yep. Yep. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks everyone for for tuning in. Uh, quick reminder: if you want to check out our sponsor, Seeking Alpha. Uh, you can head over to seekingalpha.me forward slash young investors to try Seeking Alpha free for 14 days. Uh, as always, we're always uh, taking more questions um, for, for future episodes. So head over to uh, either the YouTube version of the podcast and leave your questions as comments on the latest episode. Or if you're in Spotify, you can just ask your questions natively within Spotify. Uh, and we take all kinds of questions. So um, yeah, don't, don't be afraid to ask. We, uh, we appreciate uh, all of your questions and, and feedback. Uh, thanks Brandon for joining me as always and we'll be back next week so have a great rest of your weekend and um, yeah we'll see you next week see you later guys see you later